1: Before I get to my next guest, Jay Revel, I want to give a shout-out to a few of our sponsors, starting with our friends over at Squares Golf. Are you like me, always considering new golf equipment, maybe a new driver? Well, I'll tell you what, let me reset your thinking because I discovered Squares Golf Shoes. The patented square toe provides balance, stability, and a wider base for increased connection to the ground, effectively increasing your swing speed by 2.2 miles per hour, an average of 9 yards of distance. Independent tests prove it. That's right. It's proven in science. Go to squares.com. That's S-Q-A-I-R-Z.com and get Squares 30-day money back guarantee. Use promo code DISTANCE for $20 off. Remember, distance comes from swing speed, and swing speed comes from your connection to the ground. And folks, I wouldn't tell you about it if I didn't experience it for myself. I've never felt more stable in my golf swing, which allows me to swing faster and launch it further squares the distance golf shoe I also want to give a shout out to another new sponsor bionic gloves do what you do better with bionic gloves whether you're looking to own the golf greens improve your workouts or get your hands dirty in the garden bionic gloves has you covered designed with a hand specialist bionic gloves feature patented innovations that help improve your grip the strategically placed anatomical relief pads also prevent calluses and blisters while the web and motion zones allow for greater dexterity and flexibility. Head over to BionicLoves.com to find the perfect love to up your game. And I want to remind you about our friends over at Zexio. Back in 2001, Zexio Strixon began making clubs for men and women, and they've improved on those clubs every year since. I was fit for a set of Zexio 10 irons by a great fitter on their staff. He got me dialed in, and they feel and perform fantastically. They are by far the best irons I've ever played. They are light. I have picked up nearly 5 miles per hour in swing speed, and they're deadly accurate. Every part of Zexio Clubs are made exclusively for Zexio. Like I say, everything is light and balanced. Swing weights are made to give us the highest smash factors. The best part of getting fit for Zexio Clubs is hitting it higher and straighter than ever before, changing your game. Zexio Clubs are a Golf Digest Hot List Gold winner for 2021. Congratulations to Zexio Ambassador N.B. Park for her five-stroke victory earlier this year at the Kia Classic. It was her 21st victory, and she did it using Zexio 11 woods and X irons. Ernie Els and Top Instructor Martin Hall are Zexio ambassadors as well. See why and how Zexio can help improve your game. Go online to ZexioUSA.com. That's X-X-I-O-U-S-A.com, and pick which set is right for you. All right, now next on the tee with me is Jay Revel. Jay is a golf writer. He's written a wonderful book titled The Nine Virtues of Golf that Tallahassee Magazine, oh, by the way, said is both agonizing and joyful, which we'll talk about here in a minute. It got many five-star reviews out on Amazon.com. Jay graduated from Florida State with his undergraduate degree in political science and his master's degree in applied American politics and policy. During his time at Florida State, he was an aide to Commissioner John Daly. He was then the Executive Director of the Tallahassee Downtown Improvement Authority. Moved on from there to be Vice President of the Tallahassee Chamber of Commerce, and I'm very excited he is with me tonight here on Next on the T. Hey, Jay, thanks for coming on the show.
0: Chris, how you doing, buddy? I'm fantastic, Jay. How are you? I'm doing great, doing great, man. got uh, my daughter... uh... All bathed up, headed down for the night. A little rainy afternoon here in Tallahassee today, so I didn't get to play in my Tuesday night skins game. But other than that, life's pretty good, man. Good for you, my friend. Jay,
1: I kind of want you to, to let our listeners know more about you. I know your grandfather was a head golf professional, so you grew up around the game. But talk about how the game got its hooks in you.
0: Yeah, uh, he would certainly be the person who uh, is responsible for that. Uh, my grandfather was a head golf professional a little nine-hole course uh, that I grew up on uh, in, the, in the booming metropolis of Havana, Florida. Uh, it's about 20 miles north of uh, Tallahassee, kind of the last outpost before you get into Georgia. And uh, we had a little nine-hole course there. I grew up on the uh, just off the fourth tee box and. Me and my brother and our next door neighbor pretty much woke up every morning in the summertime and played golf till dark and uh, you know raided a few Dr. Peppers from my grandfather's shop up there and had us a, a really wonderful uh, upbringing and we all got uh, pretty addicted to the game at a at a really young age. It was a, a just a, a really great way to grow up and uh, and you know as I I continued to you know grow with the game I. Uh, I, I migrated to the maintenance crew, you know, uh, eventually up there. started mowing greens when I was about 14 years old and uh, had a lot of fun getting to know the game from that perspective. At the same time, my my uncle was uh, – his name's Ben Bates. Uh, some people might have heard him back in the day, but he was on the PGA Tour for about five years and kind of had the dubious distinction of being the all-time um, uh, starts and cuts leader on the – uh, corn ferry tour, but, uh, great guy. He's still, still running the club, uh, over in Pensacola. But, yeah, you know, going out on the road and watching him, uh, when we were teenagers is an awful lot of fun. And I got pretty competitive in the game as a junior. And, um uh, you know, when I went off to college, I, I kind of put the clubs up for a little bit. But, uh, on the other side, once I got, you know, some gainful employment, uh, the, the golf bug came back with a vengeance. And, uh, I've been, uh, playing as much as I can get away with ever since. So, it's uh it's a real passion for me and something that uh, I'm I'm very fortunate to get to enjoy an awful lot and uh and even more so I I love writing about it. Um uh, a few years ago I really started uh making a habit of you know putting my thoughts about the game on paper and I'm lucky to have a few folks who like to read it from time to time.
1: So yeah, let's talk about that. Your book again it's titled The Nine Virtues of Golf and it's it's different. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, but I, the way I took it, Jay, is more like a collection of essays. Talk about That's how right. your yeah. book is different from everybody else's.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I tell everybody I write Jay Revel stories, and uh, those those are stories about uh, the way that golf interacts with my day-to-day life. And when the funny thing about it is, is uh, the more I start putting those out in the world, uh, the more I find there's an awful lot of people who share Very similar experiences to mine. I I write, you know, essays about what it's like to try to, you know, sneak away from uh, uh, the house with a baby and, you know, play a few holes before dark. Uh, I I write about how much I enjoy playing with my dog, Leon, uh, at my side here at our local club. Uh, I write a lot about the things I like to look for when I travel for golf. I write a lot about, uh, you know, the title of the book comes from an essay, called the nine virtues of golf which is sort of a an ode to the golfer i i, I wish i was um and uh, i just try to you know pour my my soul the golfing soul that i have out onto the pages and you know i've been so fortunate to have people write me notes and emails and letters from around the world who have read those stories and connected with them and say you know i, I feel like i'm walking those fairways with you and um, I, I understand the, the conflict of having to be, uh, someone who works and helps provide for his family and, uh, you know, tries to squeeze in a few holes from time to time. So I've got a pretty deep, uh, golf obsession. There's no doubt about it. And every day I feel like, you know, my, uh, the realities of my world come into conflict with how much I love the game. And, um, it's, it's kind of become the focus of a lot of my writing and, um, you know, I also have done uh quite a bit of reporting work for outlets like the Golfer's Journal and golf.com and the Keller magazine and some others. So, uh I, I don't just write Jay Rebel stories, but uh those are the ones I probably enjoy uh you know, spinning out the most. And Jay, talk about your grandmother
1: and how she inspired you and took you to many of your junior golf events and and why she's the reason why you titled the book the way you did. So talk about her and the yeah, influence that yeah. she had on your life.
0: Uh she's she's a wonderful woman, and uh, I'm, I'm you know a very blessed young man uh, to still have her uh, in my life and uh, a big part of my life. Uh, when I was growing up, you know, said so Gramps was running the shop, and Mom and Dad were working hard trying to you know keep food on the table and pay for some of those entry fees to those junior tournaments and uh, my grandmother, a lot of times, would would take us to tournaments and events, and uh, was always there to root for us, and and just a really special woman. Uh, when I think back to my my early childhood, I can remember her reading me uh, stories at night. She had this book of virtues, and she would read this uh, you know, read these stories to us. A lot of these sort of classic children's tales, uh, so to speak, and. When she would read those, she would she would not just talk about them through the lens of you know this is the kind of things we should aspire to be, but she'd always put a little golf twist on them too, which was really fun. And um, you know, 20 years later, uh, I was you know putting the pen to paper one day and I was thinking about her a little bit. And uh, I just always can still hear her voice when I'm out playing golf. You know, we all get a little upset from time to time when the ball doesn't bounce our way, but I can kind of hear her whispering in my ear saying, you know, don't forget, you know, you need to conduct yourself uh, in an appropriate way while you're out here on the golf course. And uh, that was just a a huge influence on me. And uh, hopefully I can I can live up to that golfer she wants me to be still. And, uh, you know, it helps when I can kind of write down those thoughts a little bit.
1: And Jay, Tom Coyne wrote the foreword for your book. And Tom is another tremendous writer, a New York Times best-selling author. His books include, a course, called Scotland, a course, called Ireland. Talk about your relationship with Tom and how you got him to do the foreword of the book.
0: Yeah, Tom is a, a wonderful guy. Uh, I have just enjoyed his writing so much over the years, enjoyed getting to know him and uh you know he's he's very involved at the golfers journal so um, i've i've connected with him through that menu as uh as well as just um you know really through through twitter uh it, twitter golf twitter is a magical place as you well know and uh it's amazing the connections you can make there and a few years ago we we have a big a really cool uh literary festival here in Tallahassee it's called uh, word of south and uh this is when when Tom had just launched uh, a course called scotland uh i had read the book and just was really moved by it and reached out to him and said hey you know uh i think i could get you a spot in this uh literary festival that uh, i was a little involved with and we made that deal work so he came to town uh and we ended up uh playing a little golf for a few days and getting to know each other and he got to sell some books had a great time here in tallahassee and we've stayed in touch ever since and when um you know I got ready to to put my book out i I sort of sent him the the first copy of the manuscript and and said hey man i I would really love your feedback on some of this and you know if you're up for it um you know maybe you could even you know send a few words for me to help me frame it up and so he was very kind to do that for me and uh i i I will always treasure the words that he put uh to paper there about uh, about my work and and that's just you know a really great nice thing that uh, he didn't have to do that but he's nice enough to do it and I've always found him to be the kind of person that makes time for people who uh, share in his love for the game and uh, that's one of the reasons I think he's uh, such a great writer about it Jay I want to
1: switch gears a little bit I want to get your thoughts on the Open Championship starting with something. You tweeted out on Sunday, and my son and I were saying when we saw Colin Morikawa getting ready to hit his first tee shot on Sunday afternoon or Sunday morning uh, you know, here, um, we looked at each other like, what the heck is he wearing? And and why would you pick (laughs) out that shirt or allow someone to pick it out for you? Because if you win, you're going to look back a few years from now and think to yourself, what the heck was I wearing? Because that shirt is not going to be a part of Open Championship history. I don't know. It seems like you might agree with us on that. Talk about uh, your thoughts on what we saw Colin wearing.
0: Yeah, uh, I think that's uh, well said. You know, golf fashion has always uh, had a lot of conflicts with, I think, what most people would consider stylish. Not everyone. Uh, You think of, you know, certain players across the history of the game that have had a lot of style. Uh, I think about Arnold Palmer, you know, Payne Stewart uh even, you know stood out. But um you yeah, know, these days these these clothing companies aren't doing themselves any favors. Um the ones that really dominate uh you know, our viewing screen on Sunday afternoons, whether it's Nike or Adidas or uh, you know, some of these uh some of these big companies, they they just they continue to pivot to, to stuff that's just flat out ugly. I don't I don't really know any other way to put it. And uh that that shirt he had on I think he will he will, you know, regret that. I I always joke, you know, with my friends if you go back and uh look at my pictures when I'm twelve years old or look at me now and probably when you look at me when I'm seventy five years old, uh, you're gonna see a pretty consistent uh wardrobe, you know, uh uh a lot of khaki shorts and uh, you know, solid color polo shirts that look pretty pretty crisp no matter what age you are and I just always hate to see somebody come trotting out in a shirt that uh, isn't going to age very well with time. I mean, think of how many majors we can look back on. Yeah, you know, they were showing the highlights of Greg Norman when he won there at St. George's in 93, and he had on the most loud and obnoxious, you know, uh, shark shirt that just was pink and orange and kind of speckled. And, you know, it's like, man, that's, that's the picture they're going to hang of you in the Hall of Fame one day. Uh, and show on the golf channel, you know, 25 years from now. So you better you better get something you like and look good in. And, unfortunately, uh, a lot of these players are falling well short on that.
1: Yeah, I got to say, I love the videos on your YouTube channel, Chronicles of a Golf Tribe. And one of the places you went is a place we've talked about on, here on this show recently with a good friend, Mitch Lawrence, and that's Aiken <laughs> Golf Club, which is a wonderful historic course just down the road from Augusta National. Talk about why it's so special.
0: Yeah, that's that's uh, one of my favorite places. You know, like I said in my book, uh, The Nine Virtues of Golf, there's a chapter in there uh, that I wrote, I wrote an essay in there called How to Travel for Golf. And, you know, for me, if you're going to take a golf trip, you want to go look for places that you're not going to find anywhere else. You know, don't go play the golf course in South Carolina that could just as well be in any other state. Go find the one that's got a lot of character. Uh, and a lot of uh history and a lot of charm. Those are the kind of places that I go to seek out. And uh the Aiken Golf Pub just has all that in spades. It's um it it, it just when you walk on the grounds there you, know, you kinda of pull into this parking lot that's really adjacent to this road and it, not even really a parking lot. It's just spaces on the street. And it feels it it's got a very um, uh you know British Uh, feel to it in that it it feels very connected to the town. The downtown's only, you know, maybe a half mile away up the hill. And down here at this bottom, you have this beautiful golf course with just rolling hills, double greens, and unique features. And the clubhouse just looks like it just got plopped right out of the English countryside, and it's got cracks and crevices and uh, creaky boards, and it's, it's exactly the kind of place that I love to go and hang out. And the coolest thing about it to me is you can pop down fifty dollars at the desk, and 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 play all day long. You know, the day that I spent there, uh, that's featured in that video uh, from a few years ago, um, was uh, I was up there actually visiting to go watch the Augusta National Women's Amateur that week, and um, told my friends we gotta go play. I've read it all about it. It's just fantastic. I'm hearing such good things and. Uh, gonna Mitch and I might have even talked about it at some point. Now that I think back on it, and uh, went there and just had just an outstanding experience. You know, you you tee off on number one, you kind of crest this hill and you go down on this just wonderful um, South Carolina countryside adventure. And uh it's exactly the kind of place that I think about when um you know I I, I dream daydream about moving to you know some little golf obsessed town that uh, got a good course that. That's aching for you.
1: And Jay, you've also been to a place that I'm dying to go to as well, and that's Sweeten's Cove, which is a, you know, one of the top courses in the country. But it's unique in that it's a it's a nine hole course without many frills around. It's sort of in the middle of nowhere, Tennessee, but a heck of a great golf course. Talk about what you think about Sweeten.
0: Yeah, I, I if you haven't been there, folks, I would I would highly recommend you uh, make yourself a, a venture out to the big city of South Pittsburgh, Tennessee, because that's a magical place. In fact, I, I would you know you were kind of recounting my career a little bit, uh, you know, during the intro, Chris, and um somewhere uh during that uh career adventure, uh I actually took a bit of a detour. Say so I remember like it was yesterday. Uh, it was the first time I ever played Sweet Cove. I was up there for a wedding in Chattanooga and I told a couple of pals hey we got a car a couple hours before this thing and Slide over here and see this golf course. I'm just hearing amazing things, and this was still, you know, really in the early days uh, of of their success. And we got out there, and it was like a, it was, like, I, you know, I, I felt like I'd walk into the field of dreams. It's just this incredible view from this parking lot where there's all they have is a, a shed for a clubhouse. You know, shed you can go buy at Lowe's or Home Depot, and um, I just was blown away from the minute I stepped foot at the place. And you tee off and you just go on this, you know, this walkabout uh, designed by you know, Rob Collins, Tad King. And he, you can sense that they poured everything they had into it. Uh, and then, you know, they had this ownership in it, that they had this desire to make this obscure golf course something you would never forget. Um, and everybody I know who goes there has a, a pretty similar experience. But, you know, for me, I remember I was so moved by it. I remember coming back to work Monday and I was sitting in a meeting and, and, you know, of course I don't remember what the meeting was about because I wasn't paying that much attention. But by the time the meeting was over, I looked down at my notebook and I had scribbled all these notes about my time up there. You know, probably, you know, I think we may might have played uh, the first, you know, the the full nine holes and then gone back out about four or five holes more, uh, knowing we had to get back to this wedding. But I had scribbled down all these notes and. I had, I noticed I had written a couple one-liners, and the next thing I know, I've got this essay that I wrote about it. And uh, if you've ever seen or followed the guys at Sugarloaf Social Club on uh, Instagram, they're some good friends of mine. And uh, I sent them a copy of it and said, "Hey, I don't I don't really know what this is. I don't really know what to do with it, but it's it's some feelings about a, a great place for golf. And what do you think?" And and they liked it, and so they said, "Well, why don't we publish it on our site?" And we'll see how it does, and you know we'll see see what people think. And they published it, and, and an awful lot of people read it. And I started getting feedback, and Rob Collins reached out to me himself, and I got this feeling. I said, "Man, this that's pretty cool. I I think I'd like to do this again." And so uh, from that day forward, I, I I became a golf writer. I I started you know venturing out, and every time I traveled, I put pen to paper and try to tell some pretty compelling stories. And so Sweden has a A really special place in my heart. Um, I haven't been up there in a couple years, need to get back. But uh, every time I think about how lucky I've been to travel and uh, pursue golf riding, I think back to that that first time I ever played there. Because if it weren't for that round, I I might not have ever found that talent. Okay,
1: one more before I let you go. And you've got a wonderful podcast called Mid-Am Crisis. And he recently got to spend some time with 2003 Open champion Ben Curtis, a guy who seemed to come from out of nowhere when he won that Open championship. But he really had a successful amateur career in his home state of Ohio. He would go on to win a, a few more times on the PGA Tour, and he actually contended in a couple of Opens beyond that, in the Open Championship in 07 and 08, and then finished tied for second in the 08 PGA Championship. Talk about your conversation with him.
0: Yeah, I, I, thanks for pointing that out, Chris. I, uh, I launched the podcast, uh, Mid Crisis back, uh, in October of 2020. And, uh, it was just something I sort of started on a whim. I, I said, yeah, you know, I want to have some, uh, a new outlet to have you know, in-depth conversations with my friends from the golf world. Uh, and, and the funny thing about that is in the golf world, and I'm sure you can attest to this, that, that friendship circle tends to grow over time. Uh, and, uh, I've been fortunate to make some really cool connections, uh, through writing about the game and, and to meet some really interesting folks. And the podcast has become a wonderful, uh, tool to facilitate further conversations and relationships. And so, uh, I reached out to Ben a couple of weeks ago, you know, knowing that Open was coming back to Royal St. George's. Uh, I think he kind of gets a, a bit of a raw shake. You know, people kind of chalk him up as a fluke winner. But again, to your point, you know, he's a, four-time winner on tour and was on a winning Ryder Cup team for the USA and had a lot of other close calls and uh, a very competitive career, which is, uh, you know, not easy to do. And and the fact that he won that major uh, in his first start in a major, first start in the British Open, uh, I just have always found that to be an incredibly compelling story. So uh, I reached out to Ben and said, hey, would you like to come on and talk about that a little bit? And uh, he spent about an hour with me, and what and was so neat is he went and took me through, you know, a day-by-day account uh, of that week. And I, I, as funny and, and, and interesting and gripping as all of the details of the tournament itself were. I think the thing that was so interesting to me was that he took his wife into London for a whole day of, you know, tourist activities two days before the tournament started because he didn't know if he'd ever come back again. Uh, and I just always thought that, you know, probably played a bigger role than you think, probably put him in a, in a nice, relaxed mindset. But uh, it was a great conversation, and um, it, it's a pretty good uh, testament to the kind of conversations that I try to have on the show. We've had some really fascinating guests uh, of late, and uh, continue to try to rack those up. So uh, if you like hearing uh, you know, really in-depth conversations uh, with people who have uh, a real passion for the game, that's a good place to find it. I'd love to have uh, people tune in and and give it a listen.
1: Well, to that end, Jay, talk about where they can find the podcast and then how they can also stay up to date with all the great things you're doing on your website and then follow you on social media as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, uh, the main home for most of my things uh, online is jrebel.com. That's about to go through a little bit of renovation soon, but, uh, uh, it's got you know, pretty much a good place to find everything all in one stop. I've got a new uh, newsletter out as well. If you go and search Mid-Am Crisis on Substack, uh, I'm actually publishing some regular essays and musings under that same Mid-Am Crisis name uh, there on a weekly basis, which has been fun. And you can find the podcast, Mid-Am Crisis, on anywhere podcasts are available. And uh, be sure to hit me up on Twitter. I'm just at JRevel. Um, uh, and, uh, I'm usually spouting out about golf on there at least a few times a day. And, um, yeah, uh, you can find me on Instagram too, where I'm at J And, uh, try to post some, some fun musings there as well. So I would love to connect with anyone. Um, uh, that's my favorite part about, uh, yapping about golf online is all the cool people we get to meet and, uh, new friendships. That's what this game's all about. You know,
1: indeed. Well, Jay, it's certainly been a a thrill to have you as part of the show. You're a lot of fun, my friend. I hope you'll come back and join me again sometime.
0: Hey, any time, my man. And we can always talk fashion sense or whatever else you want to get into. So, uh, (laughs) well, thanks for having me, Chris. uh, I'll, I'll be looking forward to the next chance we get to chat, buddy. As will I. Jay, stay
1: safe, my friend. All the best to you and your family. I look forward to catching up with you again soon.
0: You too, Chris. Be well, bud. You too. Take care, Jay. That's Jay Revel,
1: and the last name is spelled R-E-V-E-L-L. And again, uh, the Nine Virtues of Golf is a wonderful read. Like I say, five stars. A lot of a lot of great five star reviews out there on Amazon.com. And uh, as you heard, Jay is a you know I love I love the enthusiasm in his voice. I love the positivity. I love the stories. I love you know how family gets involved in the game as well as grandfather, his grandmother, and then. uh Great videos out there on his YouTube channel. We just talked about a couple of the great golf courses that uh, that he has uh, chronicled. So there's a lot more out there. So I I highly encourage you to subscribe to his YouTube channel, and then uh, we will certainly get Jay back on the show again soon.